Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everything you do is making an impact in this world. This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. How dare you? And I feel like it's my responsibility as a human being. So what? The world is at stake. You're listening to Eco Chic, a podcast about climate, sustainability, and eco-conscious lifestyles. What, like it's hard? Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. I'm happy to have you here. I hope you're having as good of a day as you can be having. I feel like that's kind of a strange thing for me to say right now, but I really do think a lot about all of y'all and your families, and I hope that you're doing well and staying safe, social distancing if you can, and also staying sane during this time. I think that it's a really intimidating time to be consuming content and to be watching the news and to be reading any sort of media outlet. So I hope that this podcast finds you well. I hope you enjoy today's episode and it gives you a little bit of an escape because let me tell you, it's a good one. I'm excited to have you here today because we are going to be speaking with Brooke Harris, the founder of Good Milk Co., a Los Angeles-based, sustainable, organic, and fresh alternative milk company. Good Milk is crazy committed to keeping their products free from those strange gums and artificial flavorings and other unmentionables that you very often find in plant-based milk products. Only pure organic ingredients and they taste super delicious and give you the closest thing to homemade plant milk that you can find for sale. A lot of plant milks have fillers and gums and sometimes oils, different additives to keep them shelf-stable and make the distribution process easier, and that ultimately allows these companies to really scale. More and more people are choosing plant milks over traditional dairy options, and I'm happy about it. The animal agriculture industry is the largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. And I'm not here to tell you that your milk option is wrong, whether you're choosing dairy or almond milk or oat milk or hemp milk. But I think it's an interesting conversation just pointing out that plant-based milk is not always as pure as you think it may be. I feel like if you're interested in entrepreneurship and sales and just challenges and overcoming them, if you enjoy like Shark Tank style shows and stories, I feel like you're going to love this conversation. Brooke uses the analogy for a period of growth and scaling and challenges as building the plane and flying it at the same time. She mentions actually that she grew up on her grandparents' third generation dairy farm. And I feel like that just really speaks to the idea that this wave of plant-based businesses doesn't have to be here to push other people out of the market. They're just another option for consumers that are looking for another option. Now, let me tell you about Good Milk. I love that they're a brand of really pure quality ingredients. That's the first thing that really strikes me. And the second thing that I was truly wowed by when I first learned about Good Milk is the way that they're delivering these plant milks. You can find them at coffee shops all across the country. Blue Bottle, Intelligenista, Sun Life Organics, restaurants like The Butcher's Daughter and Malibu Farms. But also, you can order to your house a concentrate and a powdered form of their plant milks. So you're not buying a typical plant milk liquid product. The concentrate is quite literally what it sounds like. It's a frozen, solid concentrate that you can thaw, add to water, and boom, you have this like velvety, nutty almond milk that is, again, as close to homemade as it gets. 
The powdered version is also a very novel concept when it comes to plant-based milks because it's a tin of, again, no BS ingredients. And think about it. Have you ever seen a powdered almond milk before? Probably not. I know that I hadn't. When it comes to the delivery packaging conversation, one thing I want to give you a heads up about is that we do make comparisons to current market options for plant-based milks in mentioning Tetra Packs. And Tetra Packs are just the typical box option for shelf-stable liquids, so milks, broths, anything that can come in a box carton. Tetra Packs are really difficult to recycle because they're made of layers of different materials that cannot usually be sorted and recycled in the same facility. So just a heads up why alternative delivery packaging options are super important to the sustainability conversation. Plant-based businesses are coming up with new ways to meet consumer needs, and they do present solutions to problems that you may not have really known that there was a solution for, which I think is a really important thing to note. Just because we've always done it a certain way doesn't mean that we always have to do it that same way. Brooke talks about a couple of instances where she had to get creative solving business challenges and how she was able to think outside the box when it came to the way you're supposed to create a beverage product. Oh my God, y'all, I almost forgot to mention another super important takeaway from this experience with good milk that I had. They highly recommend a milk frother for their powdered option when it comes to their powdered barista latte blend, which I really enjoyed. During this time where you're making your coffees at home, you're trying to get creative and really just treat yourself to a nice morning, I have to recommend a milk frother. Good Milk has a version. I found one at Target. I'll link one in the show notes on Amazon so you can order it to your house and don't have to leave. There is nothing like a milk frother. Whatever kind of milk you're using, whatever kind of coffee you're using, I'm telling you this milk frothing situation that I have going on in the mornings has taken my routine from like a pretty good routine to an excellent routine. There is really nothing like a well-frothed coffee at home. So yes, thanks to Good Milk for turning me on to milk frothing, and I'll have one linked again in the show notes for y'all on Amazon. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Really helps out the show, helps us continue to get some super cool guests, and you can also follow us on Instagram at EcoChicPodcast. We're also on Facebook, and you can sign up for our newsletter at TotallyEcoChic.com, where we've been running a social distancing sale just in the event that you're looking to pick up some of our products. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts because we're putting out a whole bunch of episodes aside from our regularly scheduled Tuesday episodes during the social distancing period. Keep you company, keep you entertained, and I am really thankful to have you. All right, let's get into it. We're speaking today again with Brooke Harris of Good Milk, all about whole food wellness, plant-based entrepreneurship, sustainable supply chains, all things Good Milk. Brooke, I'm really excited to have you here because I am just so excited to learn more about you and about Good Milk. Thank you, Laura. Really excited myself. Great, great. So I would love first to just talk about you and talk to me a little bit about your background and how you got into this alternative milk space. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's a little bit of a happy accident there. And I think the fact that I don't have a background in food and beverage has been a huge advantage for me and for the company and the direction that we've taken. But it all kind of stemmed from my own personal wellness journey. I was plant-based. I was obsessed with 
what I thought was health food and wellness, um, but never really knew how you make a living off of it. So I went to film school instead, which is, you know, the other, another crazy direction that it's hard to make a living off of. I went to film school and graduated and came out to LA and was coming from New York and Buffalo, New York specifically, where as a vegan, you're eating really like iceberg lettuce and hummus. You know, and coming to LA, there are all kinds of different options from burgers to cakes to just anything you could imagine vegan wise. And I started shopping at vegan grocery stores and eating to my heart's content all these things that I had been missing out on as a vegan back east. And between that and working this really crazy schedule in working for a director producer, I got really sick. And I spent about a year going to all these different doctors. No one had any answers. It came down to the final doctor said, you know, you basically are just going to have to live with this. I was at the point where I was afraid to eat because everything that I was eating was making me feel sick, no matter how healthy it was. So hearing the news that you just have to live with this was just really devastating. This was impacting my day to day. It was keeping me from going to work some days. It was, like I said, giving me a fear of food. And a few days after getting this news, I was hiking with a girlfriend. This is a very, you know, this is the LA portion of this story where it gets very LA. Um, I was hiking Runyon with a girlfriend and telling her what was going on and just so happened to, to be a holistic nutritionist hiking in front of us. And she turned around and started talking to me. I booked in an appointment with her and sitting at her house a few days later and she was like, oh, okay. You know, she, she was the first one to ask me about my diet. None of these doctors throughout this whole year had asked me anything about my diet. And I, of course, thought that because I was plant-based, I was healthy and I was eating healthy. Um, and she asked me about my diet and she said, oh, great. Well, we're just going to cut out all the processed foods you're eating. And turns out all of these plant-based foods I was eating were highly processed. And I just thought they were safe because they fell under that umbrella of plant-based. And one of the things that was at the top of the list was my almond milk. You know, something that is marketed as healthy is something that we consume multiple times a day. And a lot of us first thing in the morning in our coffee or smoothie or granola, people are feeding like whole bottles of it to children. To put it <laughs> bluntly, it's garbage. It's full of a bunch of binders and fillers and gums. And some of them now have canola oil and other oils in them. It's very few real food ingredients and it's highly processed. This is devastating as a vegan. What are your options? And I decided to Google how to make homemade plant-based milk. So if I don't know if you've ever had a homemade almond milk, but it's incredibly different than the store-bought stuff. Just really fresh and tasty and creamy. So beyond the health things, I was, you know, I was sold just on the taste alone, but it's kind of a pain in the butt to make. You know, it takes a lot of time. You have to soak and sprout the nuts. It's really messy. And then it's so good that you drink it all in one sitting and then have to start over. <laughs> so I figured, hey, if, if I'm looking for this product and, you know, barely myself, barely having enough time to make it, maybe there are others. So I started taking it to the local farmer's market, you know, very small, small time, set up a table here on the west side and at the Mar Vista Farmer's Market, um, which is an amazing market. And it was a hit. People in the community wanted it. And we started selling out every single week. Wow. That is such a fortuitous turn of events because thinking about, first of all, thinking about hiking and having this holistic health practitioner right in front of you, just turning around. 
I feel like, you know, that's the universe saying like, here is your answer. And I also think it's so interesting to think about. So let me backtrack for a minute. I was actually just talking with a friend of mine about Western medicine versus more traditional old world, quote unquote, medicines. Just the concept that it's not necessarily that Western medicine is correct or the way that doctors are presenting things is correct, but it's just the concept that other cultures have done things more mindfully, essentially, for hundreds of thousands of years. So it's really cool to think that you can take this approach to medicine that's very much internal. It's not just about what's going on and what is your body reacting as, but how are you kind of setting it up for that? So I love that portion of your story, but I also love the fact that you really acknowledge that homemade nut milk is no small feat. Like the reason I've never made it is because honestly, I don't want to get into that kind of commitment. It's a lot of nuts and it's a whole process and it's really intimidating. So I could absolutely see why people would be more inclined to get fresh almond milk from you at the farmer's market. I could absolutely see why that's such a hit. Yeah, thank you. I mean, what I've found is there are a lot of people out there similar to you who understand the benefits, understand the difference and want to make it at home, but but you just don't have the time and then add a few kids into the mix and you're going through, you know, quarts of it a day. It's just really hard to keep up with if you have to do that work yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I have so much respect for moms that make it happen when it comes to whole food plant-based diets in their homes. And that also makes me think about just the average single young 20-year-old girl who's on the go, an early career woman, thinking about things like the coffee shop that you're going to every morning that has a plant-based alternative. Even if you're choosing that, it's not necessarily the best choice for you. So that also brings me to ask you a little bit about how you started getting into this cafe space of milks and milk alternatives. Yeah, we, you know, that was another lucky thing. Blue Bottle, who I, you know, personally don't drink coffee. I I like the taste of coffee, but it's just never been something that's been in my morning routine. So I didn't know anything about specialty coffee. Didn't know any coffee shop names other than like the obvious Starbucks and, you know, the pizza of the world. So Blue Bottle actually approached me and I didn't know who they were. They were just a coffee shop to me. you know, for, for better or worse, probably for better. And they asked for this barista blend. So I said, okay, what's a barista blend? And they told me the things that they were looking for. And we just formulated this really simple, beautiful recipe for them to use. And it paired perfectly with their coffee and, you know, steamed and foamed really great, which I didn't know anything about the micro foam and the latte art that all these cafes love. But they liked it and they were going through a lot of it. And so I was like, okay, great. And at that time they had their first cafe in LA. They now have about 20 cafes in LA that we service. And I was showing up, delivering it myself. They're going through 20 gallons a week. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've hit the jackpot. This is, you know, <laughs> this is amazing. And they quickly opened up their Venice location. And I actually hadn't had, I was doing the deliveries. I was making the milk, but I hadn't had a, a latte with it. And every time I'd go and do the deliveries, they'd ask like a coffee or a latte. And I'd say no, because I had my green juice that I was drinking. And then one day at their Venice location, the manager was like, Brooke, get a latte. He's like, you can get a decaf, like just get one. You should try it. So I was like, okay, great. Yeah, I'll get a decaf. Got the latte, pulled my cooler out to my, my Jetta at the time, packed it in, sat down in my car and took a sip of the latte. And I was like, 
holy shit. I got out of my car and went back in and <laughs> went to the manager and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, yeah, the coffee's good, but it's the almond milk. He's like, a normal almond milk does not taste like that with coffee. So I had no idea that this was like such a big deal until that moment. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's where I started just door knocking on other coffee shops doors, you know, looking at specialty coffee and looking at who was kind of on the same level as Blue Bottle and literally showing up at the cafe, asking for the manager, asking who to talk to. And my rule was, and still is with sales meetings is you don't leave the sales meeting until they've tasted it. Like always insist that they taste it and make it up with their coffee. And it wins them over every time because it's just such a different experience than the other options out there. Oh my God, you are like the poster child for how to be an entrepreneur. Like you know how to do it. That's such a good story. And that's such a good visual to think of you having this aha moment and then just saying like, I'm going to go ahead and figure out how to scale this and get this into other coffee shops and just make it happen. And when I think about scaling and increasing the amount of almond milk that you must be producing in order to meet that demand, I want to hear a little bit about what challenges came along with that. Because I have to imagine if you are making such pure nut milks, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to have at a really large scale. Yeah, you're, you're very right. You know, there's a new challenge every day and they've certainly shifted over time. Like our first, those early days, the first challenge was, do people even care about homemade plant-based milk or even plant-based milk? It wasn't, I feel like the past year and a half, plant-based milk is really having a day and we're like the cool kids on the block, but that, you know, it wasn't always the case. Plant-based milk wasn't necessarily something on people's minds. So early days, that was the issue. But then once we got about 50, 50 coffee shops under our belt and like saw that, hey, this is something that could work and people want this product. We had the issue of shelf life. We were delivering a fresh product that had a five-day shelf life. So just like you said, not scalable at all. Um, you know, you can't get a distributor that way. We couldn't, we were self-distributing, couldn't get outside of LA. And that's where I was like, okay, we have proof of concept how can I scale this without compromising the liquid? Because that was always our number one goal because of my, you know, my history and my background was to put out this product that was incredibly pure. And that was really exactly the same as homemade. If we processed it and added the gums and the binders and the fillers and put it in a Tetra pack, it would be the same liquid as the other guys, just in, you know, different branding with a different marketing team behind it. And that just wasn't something that was going to excite me enough to keep the business running. Right. That like goes back to the whole concept that got you here. You're kind of going against the whole problem you had was all of these fillers and gums in your almond milk. And now you're producing the same thing. So that doesn't even solve the original right. problem. Exactly. And then it's also not a product that these coffee shops love. Again, it's just the same, same product as everything else out there. So I started testing, you know, trying to figure out what are the ways we can extend shelf life, which there are very few options <laughs> out there. And I had a friend in ice cream who had a blast freezer and she did non-dairy ice cream. And I started asking her questions about how her blast freezer worked and you know, just looking into blast freezing. Actually, another friend had recommended freezing and I was like, oh, I don't think it will work. And if you Google freezing milk, it's like there are some issues with the fat and the separation. But then I started looking into this blast freezing and was like, 
wow, I think if we could chill it really, really quickly, which is what a blast freezer does, this might work. And so my girlfriend would let me come to her ice cream shop after hours and test her blast freezer when she wasn't using it. And so I'd make up all these samples and taste test them with the team. I would take them down to Blue Bottle's lab here in LA and they would test performance wise and they all worked and tasted great exactly as if it was a fresh product. Once we had done all that testing, I was like, I think this will work, but we're gonna scale this, the sky's the limit. We wanna be at minimum national and definitely hopefully global at some point. And we know that the cost is very prohibitive. So how do we cut the cost on this? If we're shipping frozen, that can be expensive. And if cafes are going through 20 to 100 gallons of this a week, that's a lot of frozen liquid to be shipping across the country. And so that's where we started testing this idea of a concentrate. And that is what we launched as a concentrated version of our milk that comes frozen. All you have to do, you can keep it frozen for as long as you want in your freezer. You thaw it, add water and give it a stir, no blending or anything like that. And it's the exact product that we were delivering fresh to all of our customers and all of our cafes. Wow. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, but a blast freezer is like on chopped when they're doing the dessert portion and they want to make ice cream really quick. A blast freezer is like immediately, it sounds, it it is what it sounds like. It's a blast freeze, like an immediate freeze. So, so that's incredible. First of all, also how fortuitous that you had a friend with an ice cream shop, but it's incredible to think that there was a solution that already existed and you just kind of had to rethink how it could work for you and your particular problem essentially. And I want to hear about the concentrate a little bit more because when you say you're just adding liquid and essentially mixing it at home, is there any difference in the texture? Does it become grainy at all? Do you have any of those same problems like when you're freezing milk? So that is where some of our proprietary information comes in and the work that we did. It wasn't like I was like, okay, we'll put it in the blast freezer. It comes out. It works. It's perfect. It's trickier than that. And it's trickier because you're dealing with a substance that's, you know, high fat, high protein. There's some complications, but we've figured out some processes that don't require any weird stuff to get it to freeze in a way that when you thaw and add water, it's exactly the same as our fresh product. It was certainly a lot of sleepless nights because we didn't fully have that figured out when we launched, but we thought we did. Um, so we launched this frozen format to the, to a bunch of our B2B partners in June of 2018. And we had only done it on a small scale. You know, we, we had to raise money to do this. So before that, I hadn't taken any investor money. But once I had this concept and I thought was pretty sure it was going to work, I raised some money, but it wasn't until we were ready to launch really that we even had the the packaging that we were going to use, had our own blast freezer. You know, we had never really seen it live in bulk. We had never made it in bulk quantities. And then we had never seen it out in the world in bulk quantities. So that first six months was very stressful. Um, A lot of lessons learned in there. And luckily, my team, we just kept adjusting. And anytime something would get messed up to a customer, we'd make up for it tenfold. So yeah, it was very stressful at first, a lot of learnings. And we now have gotten it to a point where I've kind of blacked out those days of, of the chaos and how stressful. And now it's perfect every time. 
certainly early days, it wasn't like that. And that's the risk of doing something new and different. And also the risk of like, Hey, we're a small business. We didn't have the time to like test this and do bulk runs and test that and spend, you know, six months testing all the scenarios. Like we're building the plane and flying it at the same time. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Luckily we worked through it really quickly and our customers were very understanding, but it definitely added to the mayhem in the beginning. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. But I feel like it just speaks so much to just that, yes, you're a small business and it's also about trial and error. And now you have this really perfect product that works in all scenarios. And I think that's just really admirable, just the process of coming up with this product and making sure that it's getting to your customer in the best way possible, whether it's a coffee shop or someone in their own home, which also makes me think a little bit about your other format of the powder. I want to hear a little bit about powder and how your almond milk and your latte blend can really be a powder. Because when I initially saw that you had a powder formula, that's a product that I don't see super often when it comes to just like higher end milk products. You know, it kind of flagged in my head and I was like, I definitely want to try this and I want to figure out what this is all about. And it's delicious. So tell me a little bit about this powdered formula and how this is different from almond milk or how it's different from your concentrate in this whole new arena of powdered milk. Yes. So Laura, similar to you, when I thought of the idea and looked around on the market and was like, whoa, there's nothing else like this out there. And there's, you know, there's some coconut milk powders, but they don't really have any nutritional value, no protein. Um, And most of them have some like really nasty ingredients like maltodextrin in them. And I was like, whoa, there's a real opportunity here. First of all, I wanted to figure out a way to have a shelf stable product for many reasons, but certainly my own selfish reasons and that I wanted to be able to travel with my own product and, you know, have it in my bag at any time. Um, But I looked around and was like, okay, there's a really great opportunity here. And now chalk that up to being a first time founder, having no experience in beverage and being a bit naive because the reason there's no um, almond milk powders out there turns out is that it's really, really hard to do. And many times I've been told it's impossible to do. And we actually approached a few potential partners to help us freeze dry this powder. And that is the feedback that we hear is, oh, you can't freeze dry almond milk. So... (laughs) So that was a really fun journey. And, you know, when I kind of started getting into it, when I had the idea and I thought it was, it was going to be really simple. We'll just send it off to a freeze dryer and they'll send it back and we'll have powder. We did that and it didn't work at all. And these freeze drying partners, they're not willing to, you know, test stuff. And every time you send something, it costs money and they don't really have any like thoughts or feedback for you. They're just running it through their freeze dryer and sending it back to you. So I started asking some friends for food scientists that they knew and got connected to a couple of food scientists and just realized very quickly talking to these food scientists, they had no clue about anything and homemade almond milk. You know, I even had one of the food scientists say to me, like in complete shock, say to me, wait, you're using almonds in your almond milk? Like you're using whole almonds in your almond milk? <laughs> um, And I was like, yes, yeah, we use almonds for our our almond milk. And she was just like mind blown because most of the other almond milks on the market start from a paste. So they're not even using actual almonds. And I think that was the moment for me where I was like, okay, I'm 
going to have to figure this out myself, which was totally fine, but took longer than I was hoping. It took us about 10 months to formulate this powder. And there were probably five or six times that I almost walked away from it. We went from testing freeze drying to testing spray drying to back to freeze drying. And we luckily did find someone who was very helpful as this spray drying pro he was able to you know, talk to me about that side of things. And I was able to talk to him about our side of things and the food and the recipes. And it really was a major collaborative effort. What we were doing was completely foreign and new to him. And what he was doing, talking about the spray drying and freeze drying was completely foreign and new to me. So it was this really beautiful collaborative process of us learning about each other's worlds and putting that information together. And toward the end of it, I really thought this product probably isn't going to happen. We knew that if we all added maltodextrin or a few other options that it would have worked easily and taken care of our problems. But I was pretty adamant about if we have to do that, we just won't have this product. We'll walk away completely. I'm not looking to put something out there that has, has any other ingredients other than almonds, almonds and salt, you know? So we actually finally got there through some learnings that we had in our frozen process. And then one day we got perfect powder back. <laughs> um, and it was like completely shocking. And there's a pattern with me that I like to move really quickly. So we got that first round of perfect powder back. It tasted amazing. It steamed up beautifully. It like mixed in perfectly. And I said, okay, great. We're launching this product in three weeks. And we launched it on Amazon and it went amazing. And we sold out literally in like two days. And then we found out we still had a lot to learn about the powder process. So in between there, we had probably about four months of hit or miss, like getting good product versus bad product back. And we've now about four months in, we really dialed it in and know that product perfectly. But it goes back again to being a small company. We just, we kind of have to sprint and figure it out as we go and get customer feedback. And we just don't have the time to put it out and test it and test it again and, and spend months in the testing phase. We needed the revenue. We needed to put it out. We needed to get feedback. And we did that. And now it's perfect. And I think it's really the future of plant-based milk. Wow. Brooke, that's such a good story. I feel like I am on a crash course again, like in business school. I feel like I'm watching an episode of Shark Tank. Like this is such a good story because you really do stand behind your mission and everything you put out. You're like, I'm not going to add these weird fillers and gums if I don't need to. I'm not going to compromise my mission just for the sake of creating a new product. So I think that's incredibly admirable, really. Like I just, I love your story so much. And while I'm thinking about the concept of you coming up with these completely new ideas for delivering milk for the concentrate and then also the powder, I'm also really curious to hear a little bit more about the other options you have in your line because the cool thing about good milk is that I like that while your primary product is an almond milk product, you do have other options, hemp and matcha. And why I think these are really cool options is because when I think of almond milk, I would assume that a brand that makes almond milk, their alternative choice would be another nut milk like cashew milk. So why would someone want to pick a hemp milk? Yes, I'm so glad you asked. I personally love hemp and I think that 
hemp is going to have its day uh, very soon. But we just always felt really strongly about hemp. I think knowing the nutritional value of it, you know, it's a, it's a great source of protein, has a ton of vitamins. And then the other side is the sustainability side. We looked at the options out there and, you know, almonds have some sustainability issues. I think you and I were talking before, there's some headlines that people grab onto that you have to dig a little into a little bit deeper. But hemp was kind of our you know, if we could create a perfect milk that hit everything that we love, the nutrition um, allowed us to have a clean label steamed well with coffee, and then had that sustainability aspect, we felt hemp was kind of the gold star. And we tasted our hemp milk versus the hemp milks that are out there, which there aren't a ton, but the ones on the market are really awful tasting and just don't do hemp milk any service at all. So we felt, hey, this might be a little bit ahead of its time, but if we can put out a hemp milk that tastes really good and gives people this really great experience, like maybe we can be the champions of hemp because we really believe in the nutritional values behind it and the sustainability values. I didn't even realize that hemp was high in protein, which might be a very, you know, closed-minded thing for me to think. But when I think of hemp, my initial thought is the sustainability side, that it does take so little water, so little land, so little nutrients to really make a significant amount of hemp for products. And that's why you see things like hemp-based body lotions or whatever it may be. And you're completely right in saying that there's not that many options for hemp in food products. I don't see that many packaged tetra pack type almond milk hemp milk alternatives on the shelf i don't see a lot of food options when it comes to hemp and i would love for it to definitely have its day but i'm glad that you broke that down because again like i really don't hear about hemp at all very often yeah and look plenty of people have nut allergies i think people are starting to have grain allergies and hemp is one that is pretty low on the list as far as people having allergies to it so we felt like it was really safe in that aspect too you know moving away from all of the allergens possible i I, i've never heard of anyone having a hemp allergy i'm sure there are people out there but i think it's a pretty low number of people i didn't even think about allergies so i'm glad that you mentioned that i'm also just lastly really curious to know where you see this plant-based milk market going in the future i know that's kind of a heavy question But I'm interested to hear your thoughts as an insider in the industry because I feel like more and more people are waking up to, you know, this trend that is veganism, that is vegan diets and picking up more plant-based meals in their day-to-day, which I love, you know, from a climate change perspective, especially it just takes such little nutrients, land, water, everything to produce plant-based meals in comparison to traditional you know, carnivore-based meals. But when it comes to milk and this dairy industry, I'm curious to hear about where you think it's going. Because I feel like the vegan trend, the vegan movement is absolutely pushing dairy milk into the spotlight of some criticism and some challenges. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, there's a stat out there that 70% of um, people at the grocery store are putting plant-based milk into their cart. And that's not because they're lactose intolerant. And it might not even mean that they're cutting out dairy completely, but they are adding it in because they think it's better for them and their families or, or that it's better for the planet. So there is, you know, people are cutting out dairy, whether they cut it out completely or just supplement it a little bit with plant-based milk. Dairy is unfortunately not having the best time lately. And I, I think there's a lot to dig into there. Um, you know, my background, I actually grew up on a dairy farm. My grandparents had a dairy farm, third generation dairy farm when I was growing up. So I, you know, I feel for the dairy farmers. I think 
plant-based milk is going to grow dramatically over the next few years. We like to say that we are kind of um, plant-based 2.0. So I think we're still in this phase of discovery where people are just learning about plant-based milks and they think just switching to plant-based milk is is a good thing or a better thing. And then once they're in that plant-based world, it's up to us to educate them that, hey, you know, not all plant-based foods and definitely not all plant-based milks are created equally. And you actually might not be doing something good for you and your family if you're eating these processed plant-based foods. So if you want something that is actually good, high quality, we have a product here for you. It's really accessible. And look, we stand for quality, transparency, sustainability. When you're ready to hit all of those pillars in your food choices, we're the brand to choose. And For better or worse, that puts us about 10 steps ahead of any brand out there. You know, right now it's a bit of a hard thing because there's a lot of work we have to do to educate, but it's our passion. It's what, you know, allows us to work so hard. It's what allows me to sleep at night, knowing that we're putting out a product that at every single step I can stand by and my team can stand by. Um, And I think the consumers are getting there faster than ever. So grateful to have, you know, podcasts like yours and social media to help us share our messages. Because I think once people know and understand the differences and have the information, it's a no brainer. And it's very easy for them to make better decisions for themselves and their family. It's this, unfortunately, there's still a ton of gray area around plant-based and plant-based gets a bit of a pass where people automatically assume that because it's plant-based, it's healthier for them and the environment. And it's just not always the case. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you broke that down so concisely because I feel the same way about plant-based products. All plant-based products are not created equal. It's at the end of the day, it's really up to that consumer to think more deeply. And I personally strive to just think about whole foods and thinking about areas in my diet where I can shop as minimally packaged as possible. Again, not only for the environmental component, but just your food is inherently more pure, more natural in its most raw state, essentially when it's getting to you and that's the best way to consume it. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we didn't touch much about the sustainability aspects beyond the fact that plant-based is obviously more sustainable than Mm -hmm. non-plant-based products, but we have always felt as a, you know, sustainability is something that I'm very passionate about too. And I think that there's no one in a better position than businesses to actually make an impact on the environment and the planet. And we think about sustainability every step of the way. And that's another really exciting point for us to talk about is our packaging is so much more sustainable than the other plant-based milk packaging out there. Our cafes, one of our packets makes four Tetra packs worth of milk. I'm sure you know a lot about Tetra packs, but they don't get recycled here in the US. We're at a point now that if we want to recycle them, we have to ship them to China, which obviously is not happening these days. So they live on landfills forever. And if you have ever walked behind a cafe and seen their dumpster, it's pouring out with bags of these Tetra packs. Some of our cafe partners save over 100,000 Tetra packs a year from going into land, which is pretty fun and amazing and something we don't necessarily talk about enough, but it's becoming more and more important to our consumers. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that because you're completely right. Tetra packs are really difficult to recycle wherever we recycle them because they're made of so many different layers of material. And there are some counties in the U.S. that will still accept Tetra packs into their general recycling. But from what I understand, that recycling in general is completely contaminated once it has a Tetra pack in it because you can't truly clean out the inside of one of those boxed milks. You can't truly recycle it in the same stream that you're recycling everything else. So 
when it comes to packaging and plant-based milks, it's absolutely a challenge that the market is not necessarily seeing right now. I think that it's one of those things that, like you mentioned, people think they're choosing the best option or the most sustainable option because it is plant-based. But when it comes to packaging and things like that, it's not always in the forefront, especially if it's something that you can't necessarily buy package free. You know, if people are saying, I have to get the packaging anyway, let me at least get the plant-based option. The boxes are really, really difficult to recycle. So that's that's my little, you know, soapbox about touch packs. But I also love your little tins, the latte tins. Um, I actually, I finished mine and I put it through the dishwasher and I've been using it to carry snacks with me. I actually carry almonds in it. And it's just like a really nice, you know, vacuum sealed essentially container. So it's really cool to think that you're making sturdy products as well. I think that's really admirable because it's not just about recycling, but it's about being able to reuse things. It's about being able to get creative in using a metal versus a plastic. And I think that you do it really well. Thank you. We definitely weigh those decisions very heavily at every step. And like I said, you know, a lot of times it's the more expensive option, but it's just what we stand by. And currently our customers appreciate it and stand by it as well. And I think as, you know, things progress, it'll become a bigger part of the conversation. We're already seeing it with our cafe partners. It's a big thing that they're getting really excited about because these cafes just go through so much trash and so much waste. And certainly they can switch to compostable cups or ask people to bring refillable cups, but there's that's only so much waste that they're getting rid of. Where if we can give them a solution as a partner, it's just much easier and makes a much bigger impact. Oh yeah, for sure. Because those compostable cups are just, again, what that consumer is seeing. When people talk about zero waste lifestyles, they often do not think about the back end of if you're going out to a restaurant, there's still waste associated with how that food, how that coffee, how whatever that product is, is getting to your plate or your table or your shopping bag. And it's interesting to just think that while consumers are waking up to the whole life cycle of a product, not just like getting it to you and not being able to throw it away, but just thinking about the the idea that behind the counter, there's so much more. And I think it's so cool that Good Milk is able to cut back so significantly for so many people. It really makes a difference in the long run. Yeah, thank you. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brooke Harris of Good Milk. I really enjoyed it. I love her spirit. I feel like she has such a good story to tell. And she's a really good example of what it means to stick to your values and to grow your business in a way that really makes sense for you and what you're trying to accomplish. So I hope you enjoyed the combo. You can find Good Milk online, goodmilk.co. They're also on Instagram at goodmilk. Don't forget to leave a rating and review if you are so inclined. I'll have all my links down below if you want to get in touch, Instagram, Facebook, my email address, whatever you want to do. I want to chat. So with that, I hope you have a really great day and I will talk to you very soon. Bye.